The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast. I have a very special guest today, a longtime friend, her husband and I and her have all been friends for probably a decade. So it's fun to see kind of her journey. So as you know, we're going to tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by marketers who built them. So I'm Scott Harkey. I'm the founder of the Harkey Group, which is a holding company of uh, independently owned, specialized in integrated ad agencies. So I have Mindy Weinstein, who is the CEO at Market Mindshift, which is a digital marketing company that helps large businesses across the US and abroad increase their customer base and organic traffic. She's been doing that since 2016. I've used her in the past. I've had her ghostwrite books for friends of mine. I remember when she was teaching at GCU, she's had students come over. So just a, a badass entrepreneur and marketing person. She's got a book called, I think, something around scarcity. I should know this. I'm not seeing it in my notes, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Last time, Mindy and I talked about understanding the power of scarcity. Kind of heard her background as a, as a PhD and a college professor. She's got a, a new book called The Power of Scarcity. And today, we, I want to talk about how brands can leverage scarcity to grow. I also had a little parking lot last time on ChatGPT. This wouldn't be a marketing show without talking about AI. So maybe we'll spend a couple of minutes talking about copywriting and writers and what ChatGPT is doing and where maybe there are some holes. I made that one up. But here we go. Here's our conversation with longtime friend, uh, decade-long friend, Mindy Weinstein, CEO at Market Mindshift. All right, let's jump right into it. How can brands leverage scarcity to grow? And how did you figure that out in your book? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context, and then I'm going to throw, start throwing out some brand examples uh, for you. So here's the thing. So with scarcity, I mean, there's four types. And so when I start going through them, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, except we still only think about one when we think about scarcity. There's time-related scarcity. So that's any kind of time restriction. That could be flash sales, countdown timers. That could be coupons. That could be limited time products. But then there's supply-related scarcity. And that's things that have an intentional restriction a lot of times. Um, sometimes it can be a supply shortage, but think Nike drops, think anything that's exclusive that's supply-related. Then we have demand-related. And that's the one I feel like a lot of us think about. And demand-related is high popularity. You're selling out because of that. Bestsellers, those kind of things. And then finally, limited edition, which limited edition is actually pretty amazing. And businesses that have services or physical products can benefit from it. But that's any twist on the original. And the thing about that one, it falls under supply but it's really, really draws in customers that want to be unique. So they want to have something different than everybody else. 
So those are the different types. And then I just need to give you a little bit more context and I'll give you some brands examples, I promise. (laughs) But with all of that, it's not like a one size fits all that you're like, hey, I'm going to throw in some scarcity that shows that this is hard to get. It's exclusive. It's VIP. Well, that's not going to speak to everybody. That speaks to customers who have a desire to be unique. They want to feel special. They want some type of self-expression. I mean, that's why think of people on social media, if they get something that is limited edition or it's harder to get, oh, they're bragging about it. You know, they got their pictures of that item. And then you have with demand related, that's really people who are just trying to make shortcuts in their decisions or they want to conform to a group. So you have to understand that there's different kinds. And then the thing about scarcity is that it has a direct impact on our brain and it's subconscious. So we really have to stop and think about about it. Otherwise, we're just going to make decisions. It causes a fear of missing out. It causes us to skip the normal decision-making process. And in some situations, it causes us to hyper-focus on something if we can't have it. That's why playing hard to get is actually a thing. That's actually scarcity. It all falls into it. So with all that, what's really interesting is a lot of brands are using this. And so I had talked to one of my favorite examples is a brand called Melinda Maria, and it's a jewelry brand. And it's one that a lot of celebrities wear. And I had the chance to interview the founder of that company. And she was telling me, she's like, you know, it was really interesting because being a brand that we were, most of their business is direct to consumer and e-commerce is that you're always worried about running out of stock. And so she said, you know, ordering was always an issue. Like how much do we order of certain products? The biggest fear is I don't want to run out of something. But then they did run out. And so she just said by accident, you know, she'd sent an email to their database letting customers know something was restocked. And so by accident is meaning that they found a concept that worked for them. So they just added the word restocked and had the products. And then they sold out again, like instantly. And so then they started realizing, well, interesting here. And so they continue to use that kind of verbiage of most popular. They have pre-orders, they have a wait list. And we all know these things, but they actually do work. Because what that's actually signifying is demand-related scarcity. And people want it more because they also value it more. Huge. So to me, it's just a matter of wording. But then there's also even service-related industries. And so let's say you're in a software as a service company. And you have different options that of software people can subscribe to. Well, even market on your site, which one is most popular, or maybe you have some kind of limited edition bundle of services for a period of time, that causes people to take action. So it doesn't have to be when we think about scarcity that we want to make up something because you don't want to push someone and be like, today only, or you're going to miss out, or this is... I had that happen once. I actually talked to a potential accountant and no joke at the end, he was like, this is my price if you agree to sign up with me today. I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't sign up because I'm like, that's just weird. It just didn't make sense. So it has to absolutely make sense. But I mean, I can keep going. I have so many different examples. Kit Kat even came out with a limited edition churro flavor, just in case you really love your churros and you really love your Kit Kats. I love every piece of this. I'm in like marketing nerdness right now because I have so many thoughts and so many examples. I agree with you out of all four that probably the least effective and the and the most old school of time induced scarcity is kind of what my other guest was talking about. She called it bro marketing. I haven't heard that. But like it's just old school. Like it just feels gross. You know, like I had a bug guy come the other day and it's like only today. And then there's all these add-ons all of a sudden it's 12 month contract and all that sales bullshit. Or like my accountant example. 
today only. Like, no. Horrible. <laughs> but it sounds like what you're saying out of all the four archetypes of, and I'm making that word up, of scarcity is... And this is where a lot of collabs are coming into play. Or like when I was in New York, when you had the limited edition shoes coming out and there's like lines out the door, like what the hell? I hadn't been to New York in a couple of years during COVID. And then I come and it was like a vibrant city and like retail was back and they had like limited edition. Like I'm like, why are there lines in front of all these stores? Like that's weird, (laughs) right? And to your point, they were probably like limited edition collabs work so and i think of like art pieces like different art prints or or other art 101 and i think that the greatest thing that came out of nfts were were not the nfts and the technology and the blockchain that no one understood it was really the fact of having a inventory based scarcity built in this is one of one right one of two one of 10 boy so like i'm i'm just thinking of more opportunity around some of the brands I work with and other brands, like how can... And, and I thought it was the power of the collab because of the distribution upside of both owned channels in a collab. But I actually think you're right. And it's probably more this built-in scarcity aspect. And that, that's why even like, what's the startup page? Like start page or the other one that when you have a product that comes out and people can be like investors and get the oh, first one yeah. out. Like, yeah. Right. They typically have like, you can buy right. like a hundred of these... I forget what, what was it, the crowdsourcing Crowd, platform. Yeah, but the crowdfunding, it's not, I know what you're talking about. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. We should, I, I should know. But anyway, would you agree that, like, is it the inventory based scarcity that's probably the most powerful? And then how in our brain is this working? Like, is it like our limbic system that is triggered? I've seen, I remember when I was dating or I've counseled friends who've been like on the dating scene and I called like, or even like in a sales situation, a lot of times if I'm pitching accounts, I do the takeaway. <laughs> I read a great book that everyone should read. It's called Pitch Anything by Orrin Claft. If you're in the agency business, read that book. I think I have that on my bookshelf. Actually, it I is do. <laughs> so freaking good. I, yeah. I love that book. It's the best sales book I've ever read. It's not even close. No one talks about it. But the psychology that he goes through, and, and he talks about a takeaway. He talks about about how to like come into somebody like evenly, not above or below, and the psychology behind that. So, in terms of like your maybe your archetypes, back to the archetypes of like what's the strongest out of those three? You've given some great brand examples. Is there anything like in terms of like human behavior that goes back thousands of years? You know, we talk about like the crocodile brain. Like, how are we triggered into this, like having some limited edition or collector's item or inventory that's limited? I know professional services, for example, I'm on on a brand here, I guess. We certainly price in scarcity and we don't, we're not like jerks about it, but it's like we're full right now. We're absolutely slammed. We might be able to take on this project, but we're normally 250 an hour. It's going to be 300 an hour. It's going to be 200 grand to do this branding project. It should be. 175, but it's 200 or 225. You want to pay it? We'll figure out a way to do it. If not, no big deal. We're full. When we're more empty, it's like, okay, hey, I got 150 marketing people on staff. Like, when you keep them busy, like, let's maybe tweak it down and, and bring in some sales because we're not busy. So, I know in professional services, I think it's used a lot. Um, but how do you use it in an authentic manner where you don't look like a dork, where you don't look desperate? And then what psychology is going on in people's minds? Yeah. Okay. So, there were a lot of questions in there. All right, I I'll know. Go. I'm all over <laughs> it's the place. All good. <laughs> it's all good. Because you asked me my most favorite one about the brain. Because that's yes. actually... You talked about like being a nerd on certain things. Like I geek out on anything involving neuroscience and the brain. So I will talk about that in one second. But okay. So out of all the different four types, I mean, in time related, it 
skin, it has a bad rep, but you can do some things like McDonald's has their limited time McRib, you know, that's, that's actually gross. Well, I can't say that my husband eats it, but it's actually something It's not Simon Drive today with this deal, but it's time related. Yeah. In a more palatable way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's those kind of things and those do work. And so it's just around for a certain period of time. My husband's obsessed with them. That's why I threw that example out. McRib. Well, and just QSR in general, in terms of LTOs, I've done so much damn QSR. So yeah, LTOs are half of the time really effective. The other half time, not effective. But it's not because the LTO. The LTO is effective. It's just what the product is. Exactly. The product and your audience. Okay. So with that, I would say in our culture, in our society, that limited supply, which is exclusivity, everything we're talking about, That is really strong because we do live, our culture is we want to be different, unique, again, self-expression, all of that. That's a huge thing. And so we want what not everyone else has. And so that one does tend to be one that gets a lot of us and gets our interest. And so here's what happens in the brain. And this, what I'm about to talk to you about is actually what got me to study scarcity specifically. It was these two research studies. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. So there uh, were two different studies done by different groups, both neurological studies, meaning that people were hooked up to MRIs so that you could see the activity in their brain. So we're not talking about focus groups or questionnaires and not that there's anything wrong with those, but like actual brain activity. It's hard to argue with that. So in one of the conditions, people were faced with a situation where they were bidding on an auction item. Like that's what it was. Okay, so we're not talking about life and death. Like you're not going to get food like and water. Like on eBay. Yeah. yeah, it was a simulation of eBay. Yeah, basically. And then the other one was a, basically people were shown different offers. So, and those were time-related offers. And so then what the researchers did is they looked at the activity in the brain. And what they found is that the brain activity and the area of the brain where value is based, so where we decide the value of something lit up right away. And showing that really when something is scarce, our brain automatically thinks it's valuable. But you stop and think about that. I mean, that's what we're talking about here with some of the collector items. It's rare. It must be valuable. Or even, believe it or not, like a restaurant that's like hard to get in, you're like, it must be really good. Like it has to be really good because why would so many people want it? And so that's a huge thing. Now, the other thing that was discovered through the brain scans is that the normal process that the brain takes to make decisions, those steps are skipped. And you go from straight to really decision process or decision making. So you are faced with scarcity. Your brain's like, I'm going to make a decision right now because now something is urgent and it requires your attention. But that does bring us back to our ancestors and the primal aspect of our brain. Because you think about early humankind, I mean, they're trying to survive with scarce resources like water and food and shelter. And so our brains are hardwired to try to overcome scarcity. What becomes just crazy when you stop and think about it is that our brain is not telling the difference between what is scarce for survival Versus what is scarce and just be like, oh, it'd be kind of great to have. It's the same process of the brain that's going through. And that is really what got me all of a sudden to stop. I'm like, okay, scarcity is so strong. And there's little things and you probably don't even realize you're making decisions based on scarcity. You might even end up at the grocery store about to buy something. You don't know which brand to buy. 
but you're going to reach for the brand that there's only one left in stock. You just, well, if the price is close to the same, because you're like, oh, it's valuable. It's scarce. It must be good. And we make decisions like that all the time. And most of the time, we're not even thinking about it. It doesn't mean you're going to always just make these blind decisions. You just have to stop and think about it. But it's important to know these things. But now I'm going to get my little soapbox for a second. But then as from a marketing or business perspective, we don't want to manipulate that either. I feel like knowing that doesn't mean now you're going to run and try just to make everyone make these decisions. Still create scarcity in a more authentic and fun and natural way. That could be the collabs you're talking about. That could be that you are giving certain customers beta access to something, beta testing, or they can pre-order. Or I mean, there's so many different things you can do that it's not that... I was trying to think of another word besides cheesy, but that like annoying way of doing scarcity that again, we're so used to, you can do it in other ways. And I liked what you talked about from a servicing perspective, because I've even done that with my business too, and not trying to be manipulative, but I'm a small business. I can only work with so many people as a consultant. I can't take on everybody. So I'm going to be picky on who I work with. And I have vocalized that. And it's really interesting because it's really effective. And I'm not vocalizing it to say like, hey, you know, I'm so great. It's just like, hey, you know, I only have so much time. I can only work with so many clients. So I have to be selective on who I work with. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's what we're going to do. I blew it. And I talked too much about SEO the first episode. And so we're under time a little bit. And I'm hoping I can bring you back for a third episode. And we're going to talk about whatever we want. We'll make up a title, probably something around maybe even the neuroscience behind human decision making, I think, if you want to talk more about that, because I can geek out on that. And just to recap some things that you were saying that, that, again, stood out, I just... I'm like in my head thinking of so many executional ideas of clients and whether it's collabs or... And one thing that and the biggest, I think, insight that came to mind is something I talk a lot about, which is scarcity really helps with differentiation, right? And the core of US culture, different from a lot of cultures, by the way, in my opinion, tra- having traveled a lot, is about being unique and different. And nobody wants what everybody has anymore. Like it's annoying. Like if I see somebody wearing something like like Vans, I love Vans. And now everyone wears Vans. I'm like, what the hell? Vans is like very unique to me when I lived in Northern California and I was a surfer. Like the, that's my shoe. But so what does Vans do? They make them even more unique and more different. And everyone kind of has their own thing. So I agree with you. And I think the more scarcity you can put around your products it speaks to differentiating with what everybody else is doing. And your McDonald's examples were were brilliant, whether it was the Travis Scott limited time meal. I mean, we're just seeing so many examples. And I think there's a lot more examples of especially smaller boutique brands putting these little personal touches on their products, or maybe, you know, we're going to release the first 100 that are like the first run of the products. And the founder is going to sign them or our, our spokesperson is going to sign them. And there's just so many opportunity around scarcity that maybe I haven't heard a lot of marketers talk about, which is sort of interesting too. And skipping process of decision-making to go straight limbic buy mode <laughs> obviously works really well. So let's do this. Let's end this one. And I'm just going to make up a third one. So we're going to end this episode of Rebrand with, with Mindy, but we're going to bring Mindy back. Uh, Serge, I hope you're getting this. Uh, Editor Serge, who's who's a badass. We should give him a shout out on the show. Let's do the next episode. And we're going to talk about the neuroscience behind human decision making. 
One more show note I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes, we're going to have it on our website. You know the deal, blah, 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 blah. If you want to hear about uh, the most powerful impact marketing campaign that you know of, please apply. Just approve like five the other week. I mean, people are just randomly reaching out. Like, I'm a nerd. I mean, I just had one of the chief strategy officers of like Wyden Kennedy must be on the show. And I was like, hell yeah, we're going somewhere with this podcast. My producer was even telling us like, okay, what we're going to talk about. I'm like, no, I don't care. Get him on. I want to have him on again. I saw their presentation about the Wyden work they did for McDonald's. I was freaking blown away. I have a huge crush on Wyden Kennedy, one of my favorite agencies. So little, I'm going to tease that. We're going to have... Uh, at least I, I approved the show. So I don't, I, I'm hoping he's coming on. He reached out to us cold to come on. So I'm like, hell yeah, we're making an impact. Again, we keep increasing subscribers. I heard the other day, I keep saying we're just around 5,000. We're actually now 7,000 subscribers. We've now gotten over 50,000 downloads on the show, which is insane. So the only reason that's happening is all you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just hacking stuff together. So the fact that you guys are listening and getting something out of it, freaking love it. I am putting time and effort into it to do the best that we can. We've got a great producer. We're getting really good guests. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.